What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 40. My name is James Scully. Today on Breaking Walls, I sit down for a conversation with Nigel Tumasi, who runs, along with his partner Lau, a comic book slash Japanese anime-inspired t-shirt company slash creative organization called Mayameda. And Nigel and Lau were two engineering students who transitioned their lives into a different kind of creative field. So I wanted to sit and talk with him about learning lessons that he's picked up in time while transitioning his life in new directions. Some of the highlights from this conversation will include things like how his engineering background helped him transition into a new field, the importance of failure and having a good plan if you're going to do anything in life, and that makes sense, obviously, and also things like Nigel's experiences with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and Patreon, three different kinds of crowdfunding campaign sources. So, a couple of things really quickly. As I always say on these podcasts, you can get them by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. View us, subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud if you want to subscribe on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search for The Wall Breakers, find us there, subscribe. If you're going to do that, like I say, rate, review, let us know what you think of these podcasts. Word of mouth spreads them around. And if you haven't noticed, it's the first release that I'm doing since May. That's mostly been because I've been working in my spare time on a long-term manuscript, and I wanted to take a step back. But once I figured out how much time I needed to spend working on this manuscript while working full-time, I realized that, one, I wanted to bring back these podcasts because the feedback I've gotten from them has always been fantastic. Two, this is episode number 40, so why not keep pushing? Three, I had more time than I thought I did, and I wanted to bring these back twice a month. So I've rested, I've recharged, and I'm really excited to bring a great fall lineup of podcasts to you guys and interviews, starting with this interview of Nigel Tumasi of Mayameda. And it's coming up right here after the break. So stay tuned for Breaking Walls, episode number 40. Hey guys, back on Breaking Walls, and my guest today, Nigel Tumasi, thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Uh, and I wanted to sit and talk with you because, well, for two reasons. One, you have a lot of different experience with using different kinds of crowdfunding campaigns, be it Kickstarter or Patreon, and also you went to school originally for engineering, correct? Yes, yeah, definitely. I went through the whole kind of science engineering part and then just like veered out of it. Right. You are not using uh, the specificities of that background today to earn a living. No, and I'm, I think it's interesting. I'm using a lot of, maybe not the specifics in engineering, but a lot of the processes in the way I work, the way I work with other people that I gained through that experience in what I do now. Okay. So before we even get into any specifics, are you basically saying that... Um, the structures that you learned as an engineer, you could, you're translating the skeleton of that to other forms of creativity. Pretty much, yeah. I found that even without realizing just the way I, I did my degree and the way I worked um, once I graduated and the people I learned from, like my boss and, and teammates, just have like just instilled some, some work patterns in me that I use now without even being conscious of them. Sure, absolutely. Okay, let's go to the beginning. Now, how do, at the time, five engineering friends, <laughs> friends where, where, where was the necessity to, um, you know, not even come up with a business plan, but make Japanese inspired, obviously you're an anime fan, so you wouldn't yeah. have the inspiration to make a Japanese inspired t-shirt <laughs> without that. But can you, do you remember the moment where that began? I remember the rough moment. It was because um, it wasn't necessarily my idea, but basically, we, a bunch of friends, we all went to the same university and we've known each other since pretty much the first year, or the first couple of years. So we kept in touch. So where we were working in different jobs and emailing each other just, you know, on a day by day basis. Don't know if I should actually mention that live on a podcast, but we spent a lot of time emailing each other. Yeah, if my old bosses are listening at some point. Um, so yeah, we're all fans of Japanese culture, uh, anime, or just cartoons in general. And then someone got the idea 
to make t-shirts. Say, hey, let's make some Japanese-inspired t-shirts. Let's go back to our old university and try and sell them. And being the, you know, the engineer, the enthusiastic engineers who were, it's like, yeah, one by one, we're like, yeah, let's jump in there. Let's, let's do that. Let's get some designs going. So we kind of went with it. And that was literally all the, 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 the testing on that idea we did. We just went ahead and started making some designs. We came up with the name Mayamada, started making some designs ourselves, and sort of went through the first attempts of starting a business, which uh, to be honest, didn't go very well. So yeah, we kind of made the attempt, had the initial failure, and kind of had to come back from that. Okay, and now something, when you talk about learning lessons, you were, as a business nucleus, originally five people, and now you're two. So, yes. you know, people drop out, they realize it's not for them, or it was more work than they were ready for, and they don't want to put in that kind of effort. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and also it can be difficult, I, I would imagine, when you're previously friends with people, it could put a strain on a relationship, potentially. Definitely. But with all that said, now you, yourself, when things were not going the way you had uh, anticipated, or you realized that your planning wasn't up to where it needed to be to be successful from a long-term solution. For you personally, was there a point in time where you had to stop and say, okay, am I going to go in for this for the long haul or am I just going to walk away right now? Was there a moment like that for you where you had to make that kind of decision? Yeah, there was actually. Uh, I think from our first attempts, one of the many, many mistakes we made was trying to do all the artwork for the designs ourselves. And like you know, I said, we're all engineers or computer science uh, degrees. So that wasn't our strong point, but we we're just trying to do it anyway. So there came a point where we were looking for artists and we met this uh, one girl, I actually forget her name at the moment, but we sat down with her and we told her, okay, we're, we've got this idea, here's what we've done. And she kind of gave us some feedback, basically saying, I like the name, but I kind of like what you've told me or what I'm seeing doesn't match with that so that for us was like oh we because by that point we'd be like you know it's clear it's not it wasn't working so that's kind of the the confirmation that what we're doing isn't working so that's when we had to like sit down and it so happened the people in that meeting were sort of the two that stayed uh, myself and my now co-founder so we kind of went oh okay we need to go away and think about it and i think at that point was like we could just leave it or we could go away, have a think of some ideas, and I think luckily we chose the, the latter uh, option, went away and came back with something that did work. Would you say that's also good for your own ego in a way, to be able to step back and, re and realize, okay, this isn't working, we can keep going down this rabbit hole, or we can take a step back for a second here and reevaluate? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's good to get a kick to the the ego sometimes um sometimes and often because especially in the creative field like when you come up with an idea you can be very uh i guess precious maybe i don't know if that's the best word but like you yeah, protect yeah, yeah. of the idea but i think especially if you want to sell your idea to other people you kind of have to take that backward step and try and look at it objectively um you know it's not it's not the easiest thing to do but I think it's necessary for just making sure that what you are doing actually works and people outside of yourself want to see it and want to buy it and tell people about it. What was it then about the original, where was the disconnect and how did you repair that? Oh, in the, oh to, be, uh, to be honest, there was no brand. There, there was just this idea of Japanese inspired t-shirts. So what we were doing, there was no cohesion in what we were doing. Uh, the designs were come up with, as well as the quality of the designs not being good. There was no cohesion in a sense of a, a strong brand or any kind of branding to tie what we were doing together. So I think when, once you go off on that, on that foot, you're kind of fighting a losing battle because, you know, if our designs happen to be amazing and we didn't have a brand, maybe you can, you can do one, you can try with one without the other, but I think we, we didn't have either. So it just quickly came, became apparent that okay, there's a big disconnect we need to go and fix. Okay, so then you've got this idea to make Japanese-inspired T-shirts, and you realize that you need to form a better plan of cohesion about how to go about building out this brand. And 
yeah. today in 2016, your brand is its own world, essentially. Yes. You know, it's almost as it's it's like you have a television network in somewhere on another planet and all of these characters <laughs> exist somewhere. You know, and so that's that's yeah. how did you where does that inspiration come from? The specificity of okay, we're gonna have a samurai chef, it's gonna be a fake chef show where he judges things, but you know, there's also a short uh, comic that's going to come out with it. So you're basically doing this character backstory on the samurai chef it's, itself so that when people, you know, yeah. that people start to understand who these, these characters are and, and have an emotional connection with them. Where does the beginning of that come from? Um, so the specifics of it is after that conversation with the, with the initial artist, we went away and had a thought about, you know, what do we like doing? Why are we doing this? Uh, what, do we, what do we want to keep doing? What's working? What's not working? And we looked at ourselves as well. And myself and my co-founder Lau, we looked here and said, okay, we both like creating stories. So at a point, at that point, we were doing like t-shirt designs. We still had t-shirt designs on our mind. Or like actually we like the idea of um, characters and storytelling. So I remember again, this is over email. A lot of our actually a lot of our pivotal points came through email for some reason. Maybe because we're engineers, but um so we went away, Laos sent me an email with a bunch of ideas. So we had a, these are all the ideas we can do for our, our new brand. And one of them was related to uh, a show. So it wasn't a, a world at that point, it was a show. So as I was going through them, I kind of went through one by one by one. And then I got to this one about a show. And I was like, okay, that could be something. Uh, so I got back to him. I was like, I like this idea. What if we expanded on it? Um, and the reason I suggested that is because just going from our earlier efforts, we were like, we are coming up with all these ideas and we knew we needed something that would allow us to come up with these different ideas, but still make sense yeah. in the world. Sure. So like, yeah, if we did it, if we made it a TV network, we can do uh, like this kind of uh, action comedy idea. We can do this drama idea. We have these different characters, but it still makes sense. Uh, it's still cohesive within the world. So we kind of hit on that and then started developing uh, some ideas for characters and comics. So my chef was uh, the first one. And I think that was my idea because I've always liked the idea of parody. So we're looking at the concept of shows we can do within this, uh, within this universe. I was like, okay, I, I know, you know the whole cooking show format. What if we parody that, but just take it to extreme uh, comedic proportions and create this uh, character who's going to be the, the judge, but instead of tasting the food, he's going to attack it. And then later on, what if the food turns into monsters and starts fighting back? Uh, where would that go? And yeah, we just like kind of went with that and started uh, developing that concept and then other ones around it that we then began working on. I think in some ways it makes sense um, that you've been very successful in this approach in the sense that you come from an engineering background so you understand the importance of structure and skeletal notions yeah. and things like that in turn so to, to move your brand in this case forward yeah that must be it when um samurai chef origins came out in late 2013 if i remember correctly um oh you're testing my memory now i think it was, was either 2013 or 2012. okay well, how, yeah. um, how long? Because it actually came out after the first volume. Oh, okay. Yeah. What I, uh, then what I mean, uh, volume one of Samurai Chef. Right. And yeah. Origins is actually the prequel that comes later. But yes. volume one of, of Samurai Chef, when it first came out. Okay, that was 2013. Right. How long did A, how long did it take you to put the comic itself together? Um, okay. What kind of reception were you hoping for it. Now, that was your first experience with Kickstarter, volume one of Samurai Chef? Yeah, crowdfunding in general. And that was that was maybe the biggest lesson uh, we've had in the whole Kickstarter crowdfunding journey. Um, and even though we came up with the original idea for, for like, the Television Network universe in 2011, like end of 2011, um, and it took us, yeah, almost two years to get, to get the first comic done. Um, and a lot of that was partly just our inexperience in the field. 
um, partly the fact we were still focusing on t-shirts even after we came up with a new um, concept and then also because of the Kickstarter. So we tried that this was a point where Kickstarter was only in the US and we had to get a friend to help us with his account and set up a Kickstarter. And we were, <laughs> I, I guess naive is the word, we really didn't know uh, what we were doing to be, I guess, kind of harsh on ourselves. But we set out, we were like, okay, we've got the Samurai Chef, we've got uh, these three other concept shows, let's do a Kickstarter and we'll have them, we'll work with different artists uh, and we'll raise money to fund the production of artwork for each of these stories. And it's going to take us this long. We had a crazy unrealistic expectation of how long it would all take. So I think we initially wanted wanted ten thousand um, dollars, and then we got four thousand. So we fell well short. Although it's not too bad to raise four thousand on just a concept alone with zero backing, like um, audience that already knew us. Um, so that was like the first lesson, like realistic, uh, realistic aims, realistic goals. But out of that, we kind of went back again. We had a look at the situation. We're like, okay. We maybe try to bite off more than we can chew. Instead of doing four different stories, let's focus on one. Let's try the crowdfunding again uh, and let's see where that goes. So we stuck with Samurai Chef just because that was the, it's the easiest character, um, still it's the easiest character for us to just get. It's a Samurai Monkey Chef that attacks food. Like is, you know, you get it. You either like it or you don't, but you get it. So we went back to that. And we did a, um, actually went away from Kickstarter and we did Indiegogo. And so we went, yeah, we did the Indiegogo campaign and then we launched that and that was successful. And then that allowed us to make the volume one of Samurai Chef by, yeah, 2013. As somebody who has used, if we, I just want to give, get you to give me a top level impression of various crowdfunding sources. I'm familiar with Indiegogo. Kickstarter and Patreon. For somebody, okay. for somebody who isn't, in your experiences, what do you think are the positives and negatives to those various different platforms? I think for one, before you answer, mm. one thing that you definitely discovered was that people are more likely to give you financial aid if your idea is more fully baked than not so that they can kind of wrap their head around the yes. entire thing and say, okay, I know I'm not just wasting my money here. Even if I love this person or I, I like them a lot, I don't want to just throw money at, at something that's not really thought out. Yeah. But, so that makes sense just from like a, you know, that, that just makes sense from a business perspective, but specifically the platforms themselves, Kickstarter, Indiegogo and Patreon, what would you say are some of their positives and some of their drawbacks? Okay, I mean, so with Kickstarter, the reason why we went with Kickstarter, even though, even with that first attempt, we could have done Indiegogo, because uh, it was still there, it was still available in the UK as well. But at the time, Kickstarter had the, the brand appeal, so people knew Kickstarter. So it wasn't like, because we were asking for money, we were asking, you know, potential strangers for money, we thought, let's go with the one people at least will have heard of. So that, at least at the time, was a a you know a plus for Kickstarter, just the the network effects in a sense, and but I think the sort of to go to Indiegogo like the the pro there was that they actually so I mean with with Kickstarter the way it works is a brief overview is that you know you wanna you have a creative goal um, and you set a financial target that you need to complete this goal and then people uh, back it if you get if you reach the goal then you get all the money. Um, and anything you on top. If you don't, you get nothing. So that's kind of the drawback, the all or nothing. So you kind of have to be, you know, fairly sure that what you're aiming for is realistic and that people back you. Otherwise, you put a lot of effort into a month-long campaign and, you know, you can get to 99% and end up with nothing if you don't get 100. So that's, there's the, the risk with Kickstarter. But with Indiegogo, you can have two options. So you can do the all or nothing or you can do the take what you get um, method where even if you don't reach 100%, 100%, you get you know what you've raised by the time the campaign ends, which you know it's, it sounds on the face of it sounds, okay, I'll go with that one, but 
you know, once the campaign ends, you're still liable to fulfill, you know, what you promised. So you've got to make sure that you still have enough money to do that. So there's various uh, pros, and con pros and cons. Um, and I think for um, Indiegogo also is that, I guess the, the types of people, at least at the time, the types of people that were on there, we found that Indiegogo, there were a lot of, uh, I don't know what the proper term is, but like cause campaigns. So I think people wanted to support a cause, whereas Kickstarter had um, essentially products. Like I'm, I'm kind of generalizing here, but it's very much people, I, I want this this cool looking product. Um, and I think that's the way Kickstarter say at the beginning is like you have to, you know, something tangible, something that you're going to ship to people in some form. Um, so because of that, I think we found more people wanting to support, maybe more willing to uh, put money into a concept. Because I know at that time we didn't we didn't have much to show. We just had this concept and some artwork. So I think we we're, were able to find more people that were just willing to support us uh, in that in that cause. And now at this point in the brand process in 2016, you've gone to Patreon, which if people don't know, essentially Patreon, you, you people sign up to be your patron for you know a, a certain dollar amount a month, and that would automatically come out of their account every month. Um, <clears throat> how have you found Patreon so far? And what, what do you think of it? Yeah, I think it's a really good concept for people doing regular um, artwork or regular content because you know it's not just comics it's music um, I've seen a lot of cosplayers um, on patreon and podcasts as well mm -hmm. so I I like the model and I think it makes sense for you know they all have their places I think patreon makes sense because as a brand that does comics and wants to do comics on a regular basis uh, it just fits so you know we have the samurai chef type book which is 140 pages um, but that's not something we can release every week. So our view with the patron was let's have this thing um, where we gather supporters that, uh, and we can build that up to enable us to do smaller, shorter comics, one, two pages, character artwork uh, on a more consistent basis. So the idea for us is like going back to the universe concept is we want to show the story. So the Samurai Chef show, like show and that will come in the form of books but then we can also show um behind the scenes we can show you know characters from different shows mixing together interacting and those only require like you know short one-off comics so as a way to build out the universe and gain support in the process we thought let's launch this patreon uh, campaign um but because it's a subscription um based campaign versus the sort of third day or nothing it's completely different dynamics which we're you know getting to grips with now because we're used to you know kickstart this 30 day you know uh, shout about your your project try and get backers whereas patreon is really uh, cultivating a community around what you do and then uh, the patreon support you as uh, as people so it's not all about I want this this final project, uh, this final product. It's I like what you guys are doing. Uh, I want to help you do more of that. Here's what I can contribute to you guys doing that. Sure. Uh, and in return, you're getting you know, and then this is where it's similar. You're, you're getting rewards, but then you're also you're reaching for milestones. Um, so yeah, I think it makes sense. I think for us, it's something that we haven't been able to. Uh, I think only now we're kind of getting to the point where we can push it a bit more consistently. Uh, and there are some reasons for that. We wanted to do, uh, I think we started it early in the year, we wanted to do a video, but sort of, uh, we had issues around the video, so we didn't get to um, put that on the page. So, you know, planning to redo that and put it on, and then from there, kind of start pushing it. But I think looking long term, I think that would be a great way for us to build out the universe and get people on board with what we do. But as a, you know, still relatively unknown brand, it's important for us to build a community of people that are, you know, supportive of what we do and want to bring other people to it. Yeah. Um, in that time, so your releases, your comic releases, going back to Samurai Chef Volume 1 till now, how yeah. have your expectations upon a release 
change? When you first released Samurai Chef Volume 1, um, what was the reception? Did it meet or exceed your expectations? And now, today, now that, you know, it's like um, you're no longer a rookie when it comes to releasing yeah. content like this, how has your expectation changed? Okay. Yes, yeah, weird actually say like no longer rookie. Actually, uh, just this Saturday, I did a talk at a comic convention about I think like ten tips for making comics. Um, it was very weird because the convention was in like a university, so I was standing in <laughs> in a lecture theatre uh, behind like a podium with a presentation, giving tips, talking to people about making comics. I was like, wow, this is a a bit of a step from <laughs> when we're trying to figure out our first Kickstarter campaign. So yeah, it's cool kind of making that progress, you know, along that journey. Sure. Um, I think when we started, we didn't uh, we didn't really have any expectations apart from, you know, the obvious you know, we want to, you know, like a million people to see our read our books and you know as like quite wild and you know um, non-specific um, goals. But what we found is that our sort of friends and family were very supportive of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. But also, which, you know, we're, we're counting on, uh, at least that, but also people from, you know, around the, the world were, you know, supporting the campaign. So we're shipping books to different parts of, uh, of the world. So it was good to see, because again, like when you're creating things, you've got the idea in your head, it makes perfect sense. But it's the point at which you bring it out into the real world to people who don't know you, have no you know, reason to, you know, say, oh, this is great, you know, well done, guys, just, they don't, they don't care about that, it's either, is this a good idea or not, do I like this or not, so to see uh, some level of, of positive response for people, is like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up this book, um, and then also getting feedback from people as well, so after we got the book made, we took it to a comic convention, and um, yeah, so after we shipped the books, took the rest to the comic convention, selling them, so again, people we don't know, and we're getting good feedback saying, you know, this is this is funny. Uh, we like this character or, or this particular character. When this bit happens, that would be really cool. Or we had people like, you know, here are the lessons I, I picked up when reading the book. So uh, for me, that's always a really good part of what we do is to get that feedback from people that um, positive, or even if it's like constructive feedback and constructive criticism, then just getting that real feedback from real people. I think that beat our expectations because we weren't sure what people actually think when we put it out in the real world. And would you say that's also a good thing? Um, well, I guess you would definitely agree that it's a good thing to not have that fear that you're going to learn something when people criticize or people give you positive feedback. There's going to be a takeaway there that getting out of that box that you you create and you create yeah. create for so long, but eventually you have to show the world. Exactly. Yeah, and I think I, I mean I speak to a lot of people who are kind of afraid of putting a work out for various reasons. Either you know, it's, it's not quite there yet, or um, more than a few people have said, you know, I'm afraid someone will take my idea, which I was trying to dismiss like right off the bat because I don't think that's a good idea not to do something. Um, not to say that's not a, a threat, but it's not an idea. It's not a good reason to stop doing your work um, as well. So. Yeah, it's kind of just seeing those those types of people saying, "Yeah, put the work out and see, yeah, see what happens, get the feedback," because that's how you improve. Like from what we've heard from other people, we take it in, uh, we try and make ourselves better, and we take that to the next thing. And yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. How are you and your partner allow? You you guys are friends first, and then you become business yeah. partners. How do you balance that? You know, because um, myself, having done the wall breakers, for instance, with friends of mine, there's a definite, um, well, like the friendship grows in a lot of ways, but also there's a worry that like, oh, if things go sour, this can hurt the friendship as well. How are you balancing yeah. that? How are you communicating to make sure that that doesn't happen? And, and how do you guys go about this? Yeah, that's a really good thing to consider at the beginning. And I think for us, in kind of because we we fell into, in a sense, what we we're doing, um, we didn't really like the honest answer. We didn't actually consider. We didn't have the conversation where we where we stop and say, you know, what's this going to do to 
uh, our friendship, we just like went into it. But I think for me and Lau, because we're, I think number one, we're on the same page, if not the exact same approach, we're uh, on the same page. And I think if you're going into a, a business idea with someone, it's important to yeah, just establish that you are actually on the same page and the direction you're going in is the same direction. Because I know from part of the reason why uh, five became two is because there were different directions. And uh, I definitely learned that once that happens, that you can't you can't reconcile that because if, if one person wants uh, to go, you know, left and others right, you can't, there's nothing you can do, you can't meet in the middle. Um, so it definitely helps to establish that actually this is what we want. And especially when with a, a new business which is gonna grow, it's gonna it's gonna change. I mean, from when we first started to where we are now, the the idea has changed slightly, you know focusing more on the stories and the characters versus the t-shirts that we we're trying to do at the beginning. So it, it's worth also reviewing um, periodically to say, you know, this is where we're still going, even if that direction changed, that you're still going in that, both going in that same direction. So I think that's been uh, a big help uh, with us that we just make sure that we're still on the same page. Uh, and then the other thing that we're lucky is that we're both fairly relaxed uh, people and like if there's a problem we can say you know i've got i have this view and it's not a per don't take it as a personal attack so the criticism from each other comes from like a place of uh, i think this idea is is bad or this idea needs to be changed or this approach not you're bad and, and you suck and uh what you're doing is rubbish is is the idea so you, you kind of keep on that on that level. I think that makes a, a big difference to not affecting the friendship. And, and yeah, because we knew each other uh, for uh, wow, like thirteen years now. So yeah, uh, a long yeah, a long time. So you just know because there's not not I wouldn't get into that position with, with just anyone. So already to be like in that position, we've had to know each other and have a good understanding. And do you guys essentially talk every day to keep that level of trust where it currently is? Are you in contact with each other just about, like every day you talk to each other? Yeah, actually uh, pretty much through some, if not like we meet physically uh, once a week just to go through uh, different ideas or review because uh, so uh, Lau, he has, uh, still has a day job, uh, I left mine. Um, so it's kind of, to say, oh, here's what's been happening, or you know, what are your views or feedback on certain things, uh, and then we talk, you know, WhatsApp, um, we message each other about different ideas, uh, and then we also, in fact, with that same group of people, uh, we were emailing during work. Uh, we still all have a WhatsApp group together, so we kind of like, we all keep in contact anyway. So, like, they all know what we're doing, um, and then we just talk as friends uh, anyway. So I think just keeping it, still keeping that you know casual uh, in some areas as well as being able to talk about business and making that switch just makes a big difference. Um, I also think also, just to add to what I was saying before, is uh -huh. the, the roles within a team. Uh, I think that's actually another important thing is establishing, I mean, when you're doing a small business, the roles are quite uh, fluid and you find yourself wearing different hats, but in terms of, what do I go to you for um, and what is your main responsibility of uh, establishing that so people know their place within a team mm -hmm. uh, and you know that just makes things go uh, a lot smoother so it helps because uh, I'm sort of doing like full-time work on this so certain things just come to me naturally um, so we just take those positions up so I think just establishing the roles and having that relationship just helps keeps things you know smoother more often than not. When did you leave your day job? Uh, a few years now ago, um, 2014. Okay. And what was yeah. it that pushed you to the point where you said, I can do this, I can leave this financial security that I currently have and take this on full time? Yeah, that was a, yeah, a long kind of debate with myself. Um, I basically got to the point where 
I was, I was, the job was okay. I, I can't say it was a story where I was like, I hated the job, I hated everyone, and I just had to get out. It, it wasn't that, it was, this is fine. Uh, I looked around, uh, so I did software engineering for uh, a few years, and I basically, I looked around on my team and I was lucky to work with very smart people who really cared about their, uh, about the work. And I found I didn't care as much and I was in a place where I was doing, essentially trying to do like the minimum to get by, to get by, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I wasn't trying to excel or anything like that. Um, not that I was bad uh, at what I was doing, but I just wasn't trying to get any better necessarily. And I thought, actually, that's not a good place to be because then this is it really, uh, in a sense. I, I don't feel myself um, growing or anything like that or wanting to. Uh, at least, so I thought, okay, we've got this idea. It's not in a, it's certainly not in the perfect place, but I feel that if I stepped away now, before I get um, locked in, I guess is the phrase. So before I get, um, you know, more responsibility or like, to a point where it becomes harder to leave and regret that missed opportunity, uh, let me step away now and see what happens. Uh, with this. So that was the decision I made. And is this currently, um, do you supplement your income doing anything else? Are you bartending a couple of days? You know what I mean? Like, is there a... Yeah. So uh, the journey was, uh, was interesting, actually, because I left. I Luckily, I got in the habit early of saving. Uh, so that sustained me for just natural habit of, uh, of saving. Uh, without that, really, um, this would not have worked, uh, to put it funny, this would not have worked. But what I did is uh, kind of what we were talking about before about using the skills you had. So I found myself doing uh, website work for people, uh, sort of here and there. Uh, I did that for a bit and then I kind of came back to the same realization. This is actually only last year. Came back to the same realization actually, I don't really care about doing this, even though I can do it. So. Um, at that time, I was getting busy and busier with, you know, the, the brand and the, uh, the business, and I was I started to let people down. In a sense, I didn't like that feeling either. So I was like, okay, let me stop doing this. But along the way, what also happened is that with the whole storytelling thing, so we were making comics, putting our characters and stories out. I met a lot of people along the way who worked in uh, worked in schools or worked with young people. And they saw what we were doing uh, on the storytelling side, and they were like, "Okay, you should come in and like talk to the kids, or you should put yourself forward as you know uh, someone who can help develop like that kind of creative thinking in young people." Sure. And it was a good coincidence because that's something that I actually feel quite passionately about. The fact that I don't know how it is how you find it in. Uh, in the US, but certainly in schools here. And again, I'm going to generalize, this isn't everyone, but it's, it's enough to be a problem in my view that creativity is something that is kind of extinguished in school. Like they don't encourage it. You kind of have to follow a certain path. And there's a big push in the in the UK, or there, there was under the previous government, to get people into university and doing certain types of uh, I'm doing air quotes here, like serious uh, degrees, your science, your English, your maths and all that. But I kind of looked at it and I was like, but actually there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of creative talent elsewhere, not just in these subjects. Why aren't we encouraging more of that? Because when I was at school, the, the creative subjects, your drama, your uh, music or whatever, they, they weren't taken seriously. And usually when budget cuts happens, those are the first to, to go because those aren't serious subjects. Of course. But then you kind of, yeah, yeah, uh, I guess you it must be similar. Yeah, like, it is. And my, my opinion has it, always been that arts and humanities and also math and science are very closely intertwined, but they're kind of yeah. like pigeonholed into their own categories, but they're, they're, they're all, you know, as one, really. Exactly. Everything kind of... It does, yeah, it intertwines. So, and you think about our, our world today, we, when we go home, we don't all go and, you know, read a science textbook. We listen to music, we watch films, we go to theatre. These are 
these are industries. These are industries where successful people exist, where creative talent uh, thrives. But you come to sort of school, and those things are frowned upon um, in a larger sense. So, yeah. So I kind of felt that okay, maybe I can come in at this level, uh, use what I do with the stories and characters, and be someone that can say, okay, here's what you can do with creativity. You can be creative and you can have a business or you can do something uh, that, is, that is serious. Uh, so yeah, I kind of got into that and started doing uh, workshops with uh, young people where, yeah, we basically get them to create their own characters, put together their own stories. So they're being able to use their imaginations, but they're also learning kind of like key uh, skills they can use elsewhere. So you've got your, you know, your English, your drafting, your reviewing, your using language and grammar um, into putting a structure around story, your, you know, your drawing, there's some of that, and then your presenting work. So again, inter intertwining the different aspects, but again, with the idea of um, outside the box thinking. Uh, and I think we need more of that um, in certainly where we are, and I guess where you are as well. Absolutely. And I, I'm assuming, obviously, that this is the inspiration behind the hashtag Be Creative 2016 campaign that you're currently championing. Yes, exactly. So it's, um, yeah, so that's why I started doing that as a way to, uh, to answer your previous question to like supplement income and establish myself as someone who can come in and, and deliver that kind of uh, learning. So uh, bringing it back to the brand, uh, I wanted to, a way to sort of keep it within the mind matter universe in a sense. So we came up with this, uh, this be creative um, hashtag and our idea is to use that as a way to, in a sense, uh, carry out our views as a brand. So with the campaign, I actually started uh, last year. So when we came up with the idea, I, the first thing we did was to, uh, we had this be creative slogan and we created these notebooks. Uh, for people when we started, we made that as a product. Then we took one of the notebooks and because we were traveling around to different comic conventions, we actually, we asked different illustrators, what does creativity mean to you? And everyone illustrated a page. So we had 24 artists illustrating the page uh, of the book. And it was great because the same question was put to everyone and we got 24 different answers. And it was just great to see that uh, diversity sure. in, yeah, and creativity, and I think that's what it's about. It's showing that it isn't creativity; isn't this like narrow field that we might think it is. It comes from a diverse set of people in a diverse set of ways. So this year, wanted to take that into a way that can involve more people, and had this idea to bring together some of these people in a photo shoot, and again put the same question to them, but have them create their own. Uh, we had like a three card and everyone got to write down the message we brought in the way it, it turned into a, like an arts and crafts session so we had like pens and color pencils and paints and uh glitter which i think i'm still finding in places like uh yeah so uh, everyone got to meet them on sign and the idea is that we'll take a photo we'd link it to uh this t-shirt which is um uh be a creative character so that has that message on it and encourage other people to yeah be a creative character to share their views and to uh, hopefully start a discussion um, over the long term where people are saying this is what I think and encouraging people to be more confident in their creativity. I don't know if it's because I'm from New York City, but to me, everyone that I meet is their own creative character to begin with. Like everybody <laughs> I know is a character of some kind. If they're yeah. from New York, you know, I don't know if it's just the place. <laughs> Uh, so you're now at a point where you've released two Samurai Chef comics, you've released two other comics, correct? So you have had four releases in total. Yeah. Now yeah. you've been able to take this on as your main source of income. You've monetized it. You, you know, the original idea was a t-shirt, you know, yeah. idea, but you, you're now selling merchandise and you know, you're able to use this hashtag campaign, not only to spread awareness and to raise your own brand awareness, but also as a, Another yeah. way to, on a, on a smaller level, merchandise as well, creating notebooks and things like that. Yeah, And exactly. so you've been able to essentially create this, this world of characters that you can 
then build ideas from because there's that like base root level of this is the world they live in. This is, you know, it's almost like a, a show Bible of some sort, you know, if, yeah. and um, my, my question for you, you know, in this case is you say you meet with your partner once a week, you know, I'm assuming that you're in contact casually throughout the week as well. Like you've mentioned, yeah. you also obviously through experience, you know, I uh, seem to be somebody who's able to stay in the moment pretty well. How far then down the road do you look when you come up with these ideas? Because in order to develop some sort of content plan where you're going to release a comic, you have to maybe now in September of 2016 be saying, you and your partner, okay, what are our main goals for 2017? Where do we hit on this? I don't know. You tell me. How far down the road are you looking? Yeah, I mean, we've gotten better at that, at forward planning. Um, And that just happens with experience, of course. You have to fail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of have to fail. You have to learn that, uh, and then just as you as you go, as you do more, you have to like, you have to organize this. You can't do everything at once. You have to save some for uh, this year and what we can do next year. So, uh, yeah, in terms of the comic releases, we had uh, so we four total, and the idea that just came from the switch from uh, the clothing. I mean, we still do clothing, but just the focus uh, to the stories because over the long term that's what's going to set us apart that's what's going to establish our brand the, the stories and the characters are what people are going to uh, ultimately fall in love with they're going to say i love this character i love the story when is this next book coming out we, we get some of that now uh so yeah we we thought like okay when are these books coming out how are we going to release them uh and we do know like for now we're working on uh, so one of the things we've released is Sirius Issue 1, which is a short uh, 20-page uh, story for one of our new shows. We're currently working on the full volume, which will be about 100 pages, so that will come this year. Uh, while that's going on, and we're going through the artwork for that, I'm working on another story that um, I don't know exactly when yet, but sometime next year um, will be like one of the next ones to be released. Uh, and the advantage of having... Uh, this team, the advantage of having two people writing stories and another separate person drawing means we can we can be a bit, um, uh, I don't know what the term is, but you know, I could be working on the next one while the current one has been working on. Right. So yeah. we've got... Definitely yeah, so we've got a like, fluid way to work. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, one of the, in a way, one of the blessings is that <laughs> neither me or Lau can draw to the level that we need, which means we had to find someone else, which means that whole task is like uh, delegate to someone. Because if we had to do artwork and the stories and the, all the other things in the business, um, yeah, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that's possible. So it's good that it worked out like that. And that just means that, so like two of the three are now focused on this series while I'm, I'm making notes on uh, Hot Lunch, which is uh, one of the stories that will come out next year the issue one is already done uh, and that's one of the releases but the full volume for next year and that just allows us to work in that way and i also think you guys are intelligent in the sense that you're creating little almost like mini creations and teasers and books to sell in and also advertise and market the larger creation you know you're giving people a a taste it's very much like a tune in next week type of of cereal in in that way which goes right into yeah. the world that you've created as far as like a <laughs> pretend television world too. So exactly, and it does uh, it does work well. When I did the talk over the weekend, I was saying to people one of the tips is like uh, you want to resolve your story, but you also want to leave enough to hook people in if there's more to come. So I think that was the idea with the the issues is to establish these stories and to say here's the start, there's more to come, uh, and get people on that. I think as we as we grow, we'll get better at you know just uh, scheduling the releases, putting the teasers with the full things to follow. Um, so we're kind of want to put in those those practices now, so that we're developing that um, as we grow as, as you know a best practice thing. I think it's it's really important. Two very important things that you've hit on. One was that you learned patience because it's it's normal mm-hmm. for not only for everybody's initial expectation to when they first do something creative and they, and they have a lot of passion for it to want the entire world to see it and, you know, 
you want 10 years of experience in six months. And it's like, well, no, it, yeah, takes, yeah. it takes time to, you have to get yeah. there on that journey. That's definitely us. <laughs> Which I think that's everybody. That was me at one point in my life. And, you know, I think it's only over time that we realize to be patient and do things mm. one step at a time. But also, you also mentioned that you were working at a job. And it's very important to note that it wasn't like you were on a uh, some sort of prison chain gang where you're like, my life is awful. I have to get out of this right now. It was fine. And fine is not, sometimes fine isn't good enough. And fine has a, has a low ceiling too at times. And you look yeah. at it and say, I'm letting people down because I know I don't really care about this. So my mind just like, I don't really give a crap. You know, like I, I want to, but I just don't. So I need to get somewhere. Pretty much. Because, you know, with this world that you've created, it's obvious that you are passionate about it. And there's constant communication with you and your partner and you've brought in other people yeah. to be creative. So those are all the right decisions. And, and it's one of those things where if we were looking at a third person's company and they were doing the same thing that you're doing, you'd look yeah. at it and go, yeah, well, your process all makes sense. So, but sometimes it's harder to do that when you're the person in it uh, on the inside. Oh yeah. But I think you realize that, you know, you have all these ideas because you're passionate about what you're creating. So the ideas come more readily because you care and you, and you want to explore further. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we, I've always said that, um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I've always said that ideas aren't our problem. It's like from the beginning, ideas have never been our problem. We can like the stories there and we've got like four stories. There are other ideas that in later years uh, we'll get to. So, it's all about, you know, that experience and, and figuring out the process, what's the best way to do it. Sure. To bring it out. And we're still learning uh, all that stuff. So I think those are the important like, learnings um, that we've got kind of from the beginning uh, to now is how to actually execute on these ideas that we have. Uh, and yeah, that goes to creativity really because like to me, it did creativity um you know me being one of the people that have taken part in this campaign I've, creativity is like bringing the imagination uh, making imagination reality and it's that process uh, for me so yeah it's like learning has helped us to be more creative so we're now putting things out and people are uh, looking at it saying oh wow i've i've seen the progress for you guys when you started what you're doing now and sometimes as someone in it like you say you kind of you miss some of that um but yeah, we're we're being able to do better um, with our with our creative process. I wonder if that's a that's a just a a great mantra to live life by. By the way, just do better. Like try to do better every day. <laughs> try to get some yeah. progress going every day, even if it's a minor thing. Yeah, um, no, I agree. How can people besides using hashtag Be Creative two thousand sixteen, other than using the hashtag, how can people get involved? Uh, so yeah, if uh, people go to mymatter.com forward slash creative hyphen character, they'll be able to see all the people that are taking part so far. So the, the illustrator, the cosplayer, the musician that have created their sign answering the question, what does creativity mean to me? And that's what we want people to do. So you can um, get a sheet of cards, A4, A3, got it, um, use some color and pencils, and have a think, say, say to yourself, what does creativity mean to me? And make your own sign. If you take a photo and share it with us online, social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then we'll be able to collect um, that all together. And what I'd like is a, like a, a collection of these different images of people that are sharing the message and to show, to start that discussion, to show here are just a varied group of people um, all having a view on what creativity is to them. So yeah, that's that's my that's my ambition for for the campaign, just to pick that up over time. And then, like you were saying before, just being able to for us uh, as a business to merchandise that. So we create this T-shirt with this message. So if you want to support that way, you can buy this uh, this T-shirt with the creative message. And um, yeah, there's like different ways to to get involved. Now, what are your social media URLs? That's a good question. Okay, so, um, so we are on Facebook and Twitter as MyMada, and that is M-A-Y-A-M-A-D-A, -A -A -A. uh, it's all one word. 
and we are on Instagram as MyMatterTees, which is um, MyMatter with yeah, T-E-E-S at the end. Um, because okay. someone actually had my matter on Instagram, which, yeah, is, uh, I shook my head too. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add that you've been wanting to say? Um, we've got, actually, we've also got uh, YouTube, so I forget that. So we have uh, channel my matter, and um, those are the main social media. Uh, and I think, yeah, just for people to uh, check out the campaign and get involved with uh, sharing your message online. Because uh, the whole idea is to contribute to that and to for the people who are creative and maybe are in a position, maybe they're at school and they don't feel their their thing is being encouraged enough to show that, you know, the, these are creative people doing their creative thing and you can be part of that. Sure. Thank you. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit with me and talk about these lessons. I think that people, this is good advice for people, you know, if, if, specifically if they've been fearful of putting themselves out there. You're living proof that like, Hey, just be open, keep exploring yeah. and, 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 you know, grow every day. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Nigel, thank you so much for a learned eye opening chat. You've had such tremendous experiences in your short career. I learned a lot of things that I could use for myself going forward and I hope that you guys who are listening did as well. As Nigel said on the interview, if you'd like to reach out to him, you can find him on and Mayameda in general on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at Mayameda, on Instagram at Mayameda Tees, that's M-A-Y-A-M-A-D-A-T-E-E-S, Mayameda Tees like t-shirts. And you can also find them on YouTube, which is something that he wants you to check out and you should their new YouTube lineup of content is very fantastic. I'm really enjoying the trailer for the Be Creative 2016 campaign that you guys released. And also, I really like the music that you set it to. So you can find Mayameda on YouTube by going to at channel Mayameda. That's channel like the television channel and not the English channel. <laughs> so anyway, next time on Breaking Walls, I will sit down with Kieran Anthony Lewis for a chat about some of the things that's going on in his life. I had Kieran on the podcast last year in August talking about some of the things that he's learned, the things that he's harvested to move his life forward. He's a graphic designer who's based in London. And Kieran and I are going to sit down and talk about some of the things that he's picked up in the last year. At this point in time, guys, it's September. You're starting to get those little inclinations of autumn coming our way. Uh, I noticed the other day as I was walking home from work, although it was still very warm outside, but it was post-Labor Day, that people who had fire escapes near where I live had hung fake autumn leaves from the fire escape. And I, on one hand, said, how festive. On another hand, I said, that does seem a little bit early. It's still nice and warm out right now. So get out there, guys. Break those walls while we can before the winter hibernation period starts. And as I always say... I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much. <laughs>